Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ramble Reacts. A big away win for 10-man Arsenal. It's Tuesday, 22nd of August. I'm Marcus Speller. And I'm still Luke Moore. Welcome, one and all, to another Ramble Reacts. Luke Moore, here we are. We find ourselves looking at uh, the scoreline. Crystal Palace nil, Arsenal 1 from last night's game. Roy Hodgson had a little smile on his face when uh, when he when he embraced uh, Mikel Arteta at the end of the game, but it was Arteta who looked absolutely delighted he was pumped. to get those three points. He was absolutely pumped, wasn't he? He was. Um, and it's nice to see Roy. It's, can I first of all just say it's nice to see Roy? Um, we talked about this yesterday at great length, and to see the man um, stepping out for his first Tellers Park uh, appearance yeah. of the season. Um, nice of them to parade him around the uh, stadium at the start and uh, have him. Uh... <laughs> you want me to carry on that one though? Um, but but um, it was it was a great it was a great uh, opportunity yeah. to see the the big man. Um, Lucky for Roy, it wasn't a barn burner. You it know, wasn't where else would he by. live? You know, well, he would fly over just dropping um, little tumbles tumbles of water onto the fire. He'd fly a different barn to live in. <laughs> I um, I thought it was a kind of job to be done for Arsenal. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to Crystal Palace, but mm. if you cast your mind back to the opening game of last season, Arsenal found themselves at Sellers Park, mm-hmm. got um, got out of there with a two 0 win on that occasion, um, and it was kind of followed up by three or four results uh, of which they won every single game, including one of your beloved Fulham, where mm. they've had to dig out. And that would kind of set the platform for their season last season. If you think of that um, that Fulham game, Marcus, they went a goal behind, didn't they? Mitrovic scored and they turned it around and scored a few minutes to go and, and got the win. Then after that, um, they, had to, they had to kind of scrape past Villa. My point being that just early last season, when they had a very good season, they didn't have it all their own way against Crystal Palace at Sellers Park, and um, and they managed to win. I thought it was a, a one. It rapidly turned into one of those games where you just got to get the win, and I think you can yeah. tell they felt that way as well by the way not just Arteta celebrated at the final whistle, but the players on the pitch did as well. Uh, that might well be because they went down to ten men in rather unfortunate fashion. But at the same time, you know, Crystal Palace have got players who can hurt you, unpredictable players, attacking players who can pull something out of nothing. And that always leaves you kind of a little bit uncertain. And so to get through that, I think, um, was uh, was, a, was a great plus point for them. Yeah. Um, uh, we had a tweet from Rob who said, huge away win for Arsenal against David Coote. Um, <laughs> another uh, another t- bird. Yeah. <laughs> Title challenger stuff. Is what uh, is what Rob the, said. The is a magnificent Coop. bird. Got very bright blue, large feet. It's an aquatic bird. You see them a lot in um, ponds around the local parks in in the UK. But if you ever get a chance to see them out of the water, yeah. very large, bright blue feet. It's quite unusual. 
Are you sure? Because the coots are the ones... Moorhens have got the red beak. Correct. And coots have got the white beak. Correct. Yeah, I black with not, a white beak, yeah. Yeah, I've, they've got blue feet. Bright blue feet, yeah. Blimey yeah, O'Reilly, course, yeah, they yeah. hide them well. Why do they hide David their Coote feet the under a feathery... Why do, they, <laughs> why, do they, <laughs> why do they hide their feet under a feathery bushel? I don't know, there's probably some kind of evolutionary reason, Marcus. Um, if we're going to be a little bit expansive and um, a bit um, bit showy with our with our bird chat, Luke Moore, yeah. uh, a very famous um, Big talking about referees, isn't it? <laughs> a, very, a very famous, uh, and he said breed of bird, they don't really breed them, type of bird that I've seen with blue feet, is the blue-footed booby. Yeah, very uh, very famous um, a bird of, of, I believe, um, native native to um, southern Africa, I believe. Uh, to, well, perhaps, but uh, certainly in the Galapagos Islands. Oh, okay, Ecuador. you're right. Yeah, the, the, the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I've just checked. I thought they were. I, I thought they were on, from the, the African savanna. But you're right. Yeah, they're Pacific. Yeah. That, yeah I yeah. mean, let me just be absolutely clear on that. Sorry mm. to cut you off. On, on, if you were going to go into detail on that particular species, but I, what I would say is the mm. blue-footed boobies. Bright they holiday blue. in Southern Africa, don't they? I'm sure they do. I'm yeah. sure that's the case. I mean, why wouldn't you? Mm. But that that bright blue. Um, set of feet is far brighter and far more vivid than the humble UK-based coot. I mean, I mean, you've taken it up a notch there. Like, mm. if I was if I was to recommend anything to our listeners about you know kind of sampling, you know, birds with blue feet, I would say very much start off with the coot and build your way up to the blue-footed yeah. booby because that's probably the apex, the apotheosis yeah, of what yeah. you're going to get when it comes to blue-footed birds. It's yeah. really important. I'll make that clear. Well, I think and I'm glad you did because I didn't want to waste any more of our time. I thought you've mentioned the coot's feet. Let's let's <laughs> move on to the, the questions I'm booby. asked. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. We can wrap that little um, bird chat up in a neat little package and move on. But of course, David Coot was the referee. He sent Tommy Asu off uh, two yellow cards: the first for time wasting, and then the second for um, pulling. Uh, for nothing. Was it Ayu's uh, shirt? I think it was. And it seemed very harsh. And that really is, I suppose, you would say the big talking point of the game in terms of moments. A few penalty um, shouts. There was a few penalty shouts, but this was was um, it seemed very harsh to me. I mean, Alan Smith said, "Look, I'm not saying this with my Arsenal colours on or anything," but he felt it was harsh in you know Cocoms. I didn't think it was a second yellow. I understand why the referee's given it. If he thinks that's a shirt ball, then that is uh, the dictionary definition of a yellow card. Yeah. But it is it is very frustrating that VAR can't overturn. A yellow card and therefore obviously a second yellow card and I think I'd like to see VAR I'd like to see the rules change with that of course people would then argue well hang on a minute then you've got to do it for yellow cards in general so I yeah. get that they don't want the admin for that but when you see what happened uh, to Tommy Asu I, it, to me the um, the, the forward player is, has, has got him sent off there well, it's, a few, it's also, of course, a hugely consequential decision, potentially. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem, isn't it? On one hand, you, you, you make the point, I think, which is fair, that, you know, that is involved descending off and markedly affects the game. But at the same time, you're opening a can of worms if you do that yellow, because then you could argue the first yellow also contributes to the red, and therefore mm -hmm. you have to do all of the yellows. I thought it was a poor decision. I mean, ultimately, the, the way to solve this problem would just be for referees to not make stupid errors like that, um, which I know is easy for me to say. But we're already seeing... Even earlier than predicted, I don't know if you remember, Marcus, but a week or so ago, we talked about the idea of how long referees are going to keep up this um, this kind of new initiative to, to clamp down on dissent, to clamp down on these other things. And I'm mm. just off the top of my head from yeah. this weekend's football alone. I mean, Thomas Party does an imaginary card and isn't booked. Mm -hmm. um, 
Grealish did one as well, I think, against Newcastle. He wasn't booked. Bruno was booked for descent in the Spurs game, which we talked about yesterday. And then Alexis McAllister was also booked for waving an imaginary card in the Liverpool game. Uh, and so already we're seeing that referees are starting to implement this stuff as and when they see fit, but not not implementing it consistently. And to me, there is a problem with people calling out for consistency of refereeing and then common sense refereeing as well, because obviously those things don't always go hand in hand, different referees, different occasions, different types of games and all the rest of it. But if you are going to put a big statement out or make it clear or brief the media that you're going to be clamping down this, that and the other, and then not even two and a half weeks into the season, we're already seeing it not being yeah. implemented consistently. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating, and it's just it's just an own, it's just an own goal by them because it makes every kind of decision they make that's wrong, i.e. the Tomiyasu thing, right. give people far less opportunity to give them the benefit of the doubt. I I, I thought I thought it was a poor decision. I thought the game was refereed kind of okay-ish. I didn't think it was quite as bad as um as has been mentioned. I don't think it was quite as bad as um Rob who tweeted in said, but I don't think it was brilliant either. All I would say is that there was also a lot of trickery in the penalty area in that game. A lot of kind of players going to ground quite easily. Inketia did it. Eze arguably did it, although I appreciate there was probably contact there. It does make the referee's job harder. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that, Marcus, because ultimately you're muddying the waters on behalf of the referee trying to make him make all these decisions when you're basically just trying to trick him. So that doesn't make it easier either, does it? With regards to the penalties, I mean, the Eze one, when he sort of slalomed between two defenders I think if that's given VAR wouldn't overturn it agree like, it's, like um, the, it's like the Tim Ream thing we talked about yesterday no that shouldn't have been given and no, that's you know the what official I mean? the fresh line Luke like Moore <laughs> um, so uh, I hope no, he gets yeah. a big ban Ream by the way <laughs> <laughs> massive ban that's a 10 gamer for me yeah are you, mate, are you mates from Mitrovic right another couple of games um, two yellows that's five games uh, yeah exactly yeah. talking back yeah. keep talking yeah. Um, uh, but yeah so I, I, it was it was yeah I mean when you've got players who with with pace and, and trickery running in the box it's, it is quite difficult to see but I, I thought he I thought he had a good game I thought the Arsenal one was a penalty I it was got definitely. that right, and and that was the other moment that that really changed the game. I mean, this this you said at the start, you know, you, you talked about it, or, or we did. It was a huge three points for Arsenal. Reminds me a little bit of when Man City went there last season. I think they got a penalty. I think would it have been Haaland perhaps who scored? Forgive me if that's incorrect, but they won one nil at Selhurst Park uh, last season, and it kind of it reminded me of that that the, the Crystal Palace can be a very very difficult side to play against. Not only because they're good at the back, but they've also got something good going forward as well. And you've got, the, you know, they ask questions. But, you know, two games in, they've only scored one goal. Yeah. I don't think it's panic stations. That, you know, they've, they've, they beat Sheffield United. They could have won that game by more than one goal. And they've lost at home to the side who finished second and have strengthened since then. So um, it, 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 it's nothing to, uh, to, to be too worried about. But with Palace, you know, you, you mentioned... The other day, I think it was yourself or Jim, that a player like Eze um, and Alise, uh, when he's you know signed that new contract, it's a time for those players to kind of shine, especially as Zaha is is no longer there. Do you do you worry about uh, 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 Palace and and where the goals may come from? Yeah, I think you have to because I think that you know if you talk about individual goal scorers for them, then it tends to be like. Zaha would have chipped in with, mm-hmm. I don't know, generally like a decent amount, and by which I mean, I don't know, between eight and 12 Premier League goals off the top of my head. 
and then you you would kind of be it would be punctuated by well, Eze got like ten last season, didn't he? Which is pretty decent. Um, IU I think has had a, a season where he scored a few. I think Benteke might have scored quite a few one season, but it's never really troubling. You mm. know, twenty goals. Um, it's always generally around double figures or maybe slightly more. And now, of course, Zaha's moved on, um, which leaves a huge amount of pressure on someone like SA because the strikers they have, um, like Edouard and, and whoever else, just don't seem to contribute as much. And if you look at Palace um, scored, I think, 40 goals last season, so around just over a goal a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but teams around them, I know Chelsea probably is a bit of a weird one because they're an, they're an, they're an anomaly last season, weren't they? They only scored a goal a game last season. Wolves hardly scored any. Um, mm. But the teams directly above them, Fulham and Brentford, who I think teams you could probably you know, reasonably argue are teams that Palace should really kind of be benchmarking themselves against. Yeah. You know, Fulham scored 55 and Brentford scored 58. So yeah. it's a massive difference. I mean, you're talking about, in Brentford's case, almost 50% more goals. So, yeah, it's a, it's a concern. Um I don't think, having said that, I don't think Crystal Palace will spend too much time worrying about losing at home to Arsenal in that fashion. I think they gave a reasonable account of themselves, had a little bit of the ball as well, didn't they? Um, uh, it just didn't just didn't happen for them, and Arsenal are a better team. That's okay. I don't think that's the end of the world. Um, but you know, from Arsenal's point of view, I think it's three points. You know, you know, you know, well won. And I'd, I'd also just say as well that. You know, I find Eddie Nketiah quite an interesting character. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, let's turn our attention to Arsenal's attacking lineup because Nketiah, he can be very exciting when he gets the ball. I mean, that moment where he burst into the box and he 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 switched foot and side footed against the post. Great yeah. shame that never went in because it'd be yeah. a beautiful, beautiful bit goal. of yeah, it would a beautiful bit of striking um, or forward play, should I say? Um, but yet he did miss um, one or two chances in that game, and. Last season, Arsenal, we know they, they ran Man City fairly close, but in the end, it was fairly comfortable. They have Erling Haaland up front, and it's hard, it's harsh to, to compare or to contrast that the, the Haaland with, with Nketiah. But that is the reality of the situation. He is Arsenal's well, main striker. Until Jesus comes back. Until Jesus comes back, if indeed he plays through the middle, which he may or he may not. You know, Arteta may mix it up. Um, you think about Manchester City, who they've got up there. Well, Julian Alvarez... Has just won a World Cup, and is full of confidence, mm. and is and is now you know you see in the, the the they're reaping the rewards. I mean that goal he took against Newcastle United was a great strike, you know. So Inketia certainly for the moment and could for the most part lead Arsenal's attacking line. Arsenal have got goals all over the pitch. We need we need to say, but but what what do you make of Inketia up front for Arsenal? Because I say an exciting player, mm. but. Is it a stretch too far to think Arsenal could win the league if he is one of their their starting strikers? Well, it's a, it's a tough old ask because he's 24 years old and I think he's only ever scored 15 Premier League goals in his whole career. Yeah. So, I mean, I know he's spent a bit of time on loan and he's found it hard to break into the team consistently, but he's not a, he's not 18, he's 24, no. right? Um, and I think when I look at him as a player, I think movement brilliant, He's got a lot of speed. Like he's quick across like a few yards, and his runs are intelligent. So, like I say, his mm-hmm. movement's good. And he was a thorn in Crystal Palace's side all night mm-hmm. last night. They couldn't deal with him. He's quick thinking for that penalty. It wasn't just the fact that it was quick off the mark. It's just that he had the thought process to get in there for that from that set piece and um, and and do something that Palace defenders couldn't react to. And then the goalkeepers never really going to get there as quickly because they're nowhere near as quick goalkeepers. And once the goalkeeper's committed, I mean, it's you know, it's curtains really. Um, but the problem is, as you touched on, he's he's um, he he doesn't score goals. Like his finishing isn't good enough. And so, 
I'm not really one for the big the big stats as, as you know, but is I think there's only one player last season who had a who scored you know a, a bigger discrepancy between his xG and his actual goals, and that was Kai Havertz, who also plays for Arsenal. Well, yeah. <laughs> but Enketia was, I think, is, I mean, if you if you put any people listening, if you put any stock in xG stats, for example, I think his xG was eight last season. He scored four, so I mean, he's fifty percent lower than he should be. Um, I don't want to spend too much time worrying about that because I do think he's got so many different tools in his in his toolbox that maybe the school of thought is that ultimately he builds a bit of confidence, he gets a few more mm-hmm. games on his belt and those goals start going in or he never looks back. Or you might think um, he's just not quite good enough in terms of a finisher. Yeah, I, I think in Ketia that there's great I think he's better there. than a lot of people say he is though. I, I agree with that. I, I think he's got, I think he's got something about him and he doesn't lack confidence. You saw that with the, with the little sort of chip or or scoop or whatever dink he tried against um, Johnson in goal, and obviously it went over the bar. Now he's missed for crying out loud. I thought that was a poor decision, though. You know, it, it was a poor decision, but it shows you a bit of confidence there. Now, of course, if he keeps doing that, that's how you lose confidence. Yeah. But he does look like he's got confidence, and I and I think that because of that, and because of his body language when he, he wants the ball, you know, there's 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 he, he's got a bit of trickery and pace about him as well. I like the fact that he's he, he wants to play through the middle because he, you know a player with his with his tools could hide out on the wing. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to be he wants to be down the middle, and so I'm hopeful on behalf of Arsenal fans that he does come good and start scoring goals. But if you want to be challenging for league titles, you can't really have a guy up top who oh well hopefully he'll come good. So if you look at the players that Arsenal signed this season, Declan Rice, okay, fine, that's a massive signing for them, and you know that yeah, really speaks to yeah speaks for itself um, they went after David Rea and they got him because they could get him and obviously that's been confusing to a lot of people I'm not quite as confused as the entire football fraternity wants to appears to want to call the police on Arteta for doing it um, and always, you should always be wary of pundits that are always confused um, yeah. well I don't want to say that Palace are apparently interested in Dean Henderson um, well, Hendo yeah, makes sense because he's an upgrade on Sam Johnson, who's played. He played last night. But my point is, Marcus, you what? don't want to disrespect your number one goalkeeper. Look, that's this is something that we've that all learned true. in this. Oh, in this he year. might he might be a bit unsettled, and that's unacceptable. <laughs> um, but Marcus, why do you think Arsenal haven't gone after? Uh, my point was just going to be it was a very laboured way of saying they've mm-hmm. gone after players, they've spent money, they've shown themselves prepared to put their hand in their pocket for players they mm-hmm. really want to the tune of quite a lot of money. Why is it not manifested itself in a forward player who's going to score goals? Is it because they just think within Ketia and Jesus they're covered? Yeah, well, it must be. It must be. I mean, and that's a gamble they were, because well, of Jesus' they... injury record and then Ketia's goalscoring record. Yeah, I mean, perhaps they were sniffing around other players and then and and, and nothing was there. Imagine if they did that. Like, actually, actually sniffing around them. Yeah, I <laughs> just like that. Oh, I think he wants to sign me. Ooh, what a lovely cologne that is. <laughs> um, there, I tell you what, they'd be a great selling club if you were literally sniffing players. FC Köln. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, but they've got goals in the in the side. Arsenal. I mean, Bukayo Saka is one side, Gabriel Martinelli is the other side. They chip in with a lot. So I think that they prioritise the midfield and, and and one or two other areas. You know, defensive. I mean, defensive cover is what they needed. That was one of the big things last season, of course. That um, your friend and mine and everyone's, uh, of course, Rob Holding came in and he's not quite not quite cutting the mustard there when they had um, big injury to. Um, 
uh, was it Saliba um, mm. towards the end of last season and so on. So they have strengthened in in that area, you would say. Uh, oh, by the way, a little word on Bakar Saka made his eighty second um, consecutive league appearance for Arsenal, uh, which is uh, which equals the um, the Arsenal's Premier League record. Yeah, with Paul, Paul Merson, right? Yeah, and remarkable stuff. Oh, Saka's an all time. Saka will be an all time player for Arsenal. I mean, yeah, the amount he's achieved at the age he is already is incredible. Massively important player for them, arguably their most important player. Um, I know people will have a shout out for Odegaard and Martinelli and perhaps one or two others for that. But I mean, Saka, it's very hard to make an argument that Saka is not the most important player. And mm-hmm. he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders and he's been so good. Um, and that is a great stat to show his consistency. I mean, incredible. Because ultimately, you know, getting on the pitch and playing every single game mm-hmm. is half the battle, really, um, with the amount of. With the amount of um, games, you know, players are being asked to play and, and the amount of pressure on their bodies and stuff, it's an incredible, incredible achievement. Before we move on, I just wanted to say that, did you not think it was nice to see uh, some former Palace players sitting with Steve Parrish at the game, Mark Bright, Gareth Southgate and, and Alan Pardew? Mm. I'd put it to you, Luke Moore. Kiss, marry, kill. Yeah, I think I'd probably marry Gareth. Yeah. I'd kiss Mark Bright. Yeah. And yeah, and the rest is history. <laughs> and the rest is obvious. You know the rest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'd Pardew probably would... kiss, marry, and then kill Alan Pardew. Yeah. I th- <laughs> Pards will be a bit sad there, you know, because if there's some getting off to be done, you'd think he would be... Uh... <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. You know the one thing about Alan Pardew people don't realise, by the way, Marcus? Lovely cologne. Very Smells bright great. blue feet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Take dear. his socks off. His bright blue feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the blue-footed booby that is Alan Pardew. Um, well, uh, yeah. Now we know that Roy Hodgson, of course, is is the king of post-match interviews. We've enjoyed, especially when uh, they don't go out live and we have to uh, wait for them to be released uh, yeah. um, after that. Um, did you see uh, Leon manager Lauren Blanc? formerly of Manchester United, had an interesting attitude at the weekend after um, Leon started the season with a second straight defeat. And he was asked what needs to be changed at the team or at the club. And he said, uh, you have to change the manager. Like, <laughs> Lauren, do you realise you... Uh, yeah. So I've got a 3D chess he's playing there. I like, don't know, yeah. It's, it's not a translation error, that, is it? He did say that. I don't that. think so. I think maybe written in into his uh, contract was if he... like sacks himself or something then maybe he gets a payout I, I thought it was going to be like a terrible like French joke where he's going to say you have to change the manager then turn around and come back in and he's put like a little fake moustache on <laughs> gone here I am <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Now then, let us finish today's Ramble React uh, with the news that Mason Greenwood is set to leave Manchester United after the club finally decided uh, he must resume his footballing career elsewhere. As of last Wednesday, they intended to reintroduce him uh, into the squad, but by late Friday afternoon, the public reaction had forced a rethink. And yesterday they announced the conclusion of their six-month investigation into Greenwood's conduct with the following statement. Based on the evidence available to us, we have concluded that the material posted online did not provide a full picture and that Mason did not commit the offences in respect of which he was originally charged. That said, as Mason publicly acknowledges today, he has made mistakes which he is taking responsibility for. All those involved, including Mason, recognise the difficulties with him recommencing his career at Manchester United. It has therefore been mutually agreed that it would be most appropriate for him to do so away from Old Trafford and we will now work with Mason to achieve that outcome. Luke, you weren't uh, on the podcast last week when we spoke about this, but you did uh, tweet... um, what I thought was uh, quite an eloquent uh, thread uh, after we spoke about it on the ramble. Um, what do you make of that statement? Yeah, I don't really believe Manchester United, and I haven't mm-hmm. believed them throughout this process. I think they've come to the right decision to have him leave the club. And at the time of recording, I mean, you know, Adam Crafton of The Athletic, who's really been you know, in the vanguard of covering this and really you know, got mm-hmm. into the weeds of what's happened and what United's process has been, has reported they haven't actually terminated his contract, but other outlets have, 
have suggested that his contract has been mutually terminated. Regardless, they've come to what is ultimately the right decision to have him leave the club, in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it feels like they've done it in a kind of mutually convenient way without really showing any leadership. And they've made no statement of intent throughout the process or how it relates to the outcome. I think for me, from the start, they've approached this from a position of how can we get through this without losing Mason Greenwood as a player? Yeah. Um, and that has informed their thinking really throughout. And the club statements from United and from Richard Arnold are, to me, like incoherent and nonsensical. Mm. I mean, for example, we have collated evidence that led us to conclude that Mason did not commit the offences he was charged with. Well, what is that evidence then? T- yeah. Tell us, because that would solve the problem entirely, but you don't seem to be yeah. forthcoming with it. And they also had no one involved at the club with any experience or expertise whatsoever and being able to make that assessment anyway, mm-hmm. with the exception of probably some in-house counsel who would mm-hmm. almost certainly not be involved in criminal cases day to day. And they didn't yeah. hire anyone independent to lead the inquiry either, which to me is a dereliction of duty. Um, on that front, I guess I, I agree with Gary Neville. The situation was way above the pay grade of anyone at the club and, and leaving it to employees to conduct the inquiry is a conflict of interest, as, as well as like incredibly unfair for those employees in question. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I say, ultimately they've come to the right decision, but have done it in, in my view quite a Weasley way and they come out of it with no credit whatsoever. And I'll just finish by saying that, you know, you, you alluded to my, or mentioned my Twitter thread there. Uh, what for those who haven't seen it, you know, because they've got better things to be doing with their life than spending all their life on Twitter, which is perfectly understandable. Um, I think we need a code of conduct for players and officials within the game, and we need an independent process that covers cases such as this, because this won't be the last time this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's currently a vacuum at the top of the game when it comes to leadership on these issues. It's not viable to hide behind the idea that there wasn't a criminal case to answer. That's a totally different level of burden of proof and process, and just a completely different stratosphere. Um, and the charges were dropped, by the way. It wasn't as if it went to the courts and quite. he was found. And, and that's not, not really guilty. that relevant to the day-to-day running of, of, a, of a sport or an industry anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can be capable of such terrible behaviour that brings the industry and the club and the yeah. whatever into disrepute without reaching the criminal or threshold for criminal charges or whatever. But, but you know, listen, there's loads of other professions in this in, in this country and you can you know, list a load of them off, you know, whether it's law or accountancy or medicine or whatever, where there's a, you know, there's a, there's a minimum standard of behaviour and bringing the profession into disrepute type idea that mm. exists that is you know, regularly counselled upon and judged upon by independent panels and, and people are struck off and not allowed to practise certain professions because of it. Um, and I don't really see with the stakes involved and with the fact that they're, you know, they're professionals as well, football players, professional athletes, why there shouldn't be something in place for that as well because ultimately then that just takes the decision making away from people who aren't qualified to make that decision and 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 I just think with United it's as I said it's been informed by them being desperate not to lose a player to a rival which is mm-hmm. pretty tawdry um yeah. but these people these players are you know valuable assets and that's the reality of the world we live in so that's you know, kind of mishmash of my thoughts a summary of my thoughts really and um, they've come to the right decision in my view it remains to be seen what will happen next it's kind of unthinkable that he'll go to another premier league club i think after all this uh, but he will go somewhere else um and but they've got come to it in a, in a really roundabout way having exhausted all mm-hmm. opportunities that they thought they could get to to try and keep him and now yeah. they can't they can't get away with it and so they're not getting away with it yeah, and 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 the public outcry has been huge, and not just um, from the public. Also, uh, according to some reports, employees at the club were like, "No, we're, we're, we're not, not having this. this." I'm afraid. Yeah, and it is interesting. Then, and, and uh, as you say, like for, for for you know whatever 
whatever one may think, you know, the club have listened to them. And I don't give them any credit for that necessarily um, for, for the reasons you've just stated. But one's voice can be heard, uh, mm. which is, I suppose, you know... It's encouraging in a way. Of, it's, I mean, the outcry itself is quite encouraging. Apart from, the, you know, the people on the, yeah. all the virgins on Twitter, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, generally speaking, the public consensus, yeah. I think, has been relatively positive overall, yeah. I would say. It will be unlikely, as you say, he pops up at another Premier League club. Probably unlikely that he pops up at another English club, you know, um, we shall see. Uh, but it is the right outcome, I think. I think, we, you know, we're all agreed on this podcast. And uh, let's hope that this brings in some regulation or some guidelines, some wisdom for crying yeah. out loud into the Premier League. I suspect it won't, but I think it's... No, actually, yeah. <laughs> the football's showing itself utterly incapable of being able to run itself and it's just desperately clinging on to the mm. idea of being able to do so in, in many different ways, whether that be financially or ethically or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it, it does need some kind of independent um, yeah. governance. Uh, I think it's, it's been that way for a while, regardless of this, mm-hmm. great, of this Mason Greenwood thing. But, you know, look, ultimately... The behaviour that Mason Green was exhibited, uh, which which you know it hasn't even really been questioned. I mean, they they, they say all these things, like I say, in, in nonsensical statements about how they've you know mm-hmm. they've conducted their own investigation, they've collated evidence which showed this and that and the other. Well, let's just see it then, because yeah. if you see it, if we can see it, then the whole thing goes away. Mm. But but obviously that's not forthcoming. Yeah, well, so you can only draw yeah, one can yeah. only draw one's own conclusion from that, and so we can yeah. only work with the information we've got. And mm. and so as as and as, as long as we do that, the outcome that they've stumbled upon, really, which is what they've done, is the only possible outcome. And and you know, really, mm. there's far bigger things at play here than just you know the potential yeah. loss of a player who's quite good at football, because ultimately that's no that's no barometer of what you know what should and shouldn't happen. What should and shouldn't happen is what's thorough and what's decent and what people expect um in in society and, and you know this is a wider mason greenwood is, is the tip of an iceberg of a wider sickness in our society around domestic violence and violence towards women the numbers are staggering i mean it's, it's mm-hmm. incredible and, and yeah. sickening how much this goes on mm-hmm. um uh, as, as a general point and like i say mason greenwood is a very very small but very prominent example of that so i mean yeah yeah well i mean it's interesting because that that uh, quote that Gordon Strachan came out with a number of years in ago. In 2014, it was in Brazil in the World Cup, yeah. That's right. Yeah. He said, you know, football is full of um, people who are, and then lists off some some undesirable characteristics and, and, and yeah. types, if you like. He said, as a sport, we have no morals whatsoever. Let's get that absolutely right. Yeah, and, and so, you know, people often look to football um, for some sort of example, rightly or wrongly, but it's a huge thing in the public conscious um it's a huge thing in the culture so that it will be looked at and often we you know we, we we you know in football we say well the problem is with whether it be violence towards women or sexism racism or whatever you know it's it, it's not football's problem it's a societal issue fine but football can get its own house in order absolutely and go, actually as you said luke this is what we expect from people absolutely okay it's it, again i can't stress it's it's in the public eye and that does matter yeah yeah, nothing more to add. I totally agree with you. We'll see if there's any more chat about that in the coming days, of course. And um, but that's uh, what with what, what, what the story was um, released today. So there we are, everybody. But thank you very much for listening to today's uh, Ramble Reacts. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with another episode of the Football Ramble. Of course. In the meantime, find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Football Ramble. And remember to subscribe on your podcast app. There we are, everybody. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thank you.
See you soon, everybody. Laura Love. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.